Before we dive into today's guest episode, I am going to take a moment and introduce you to Stacy. So Stacy is a sales copywriter and educator for coaches who want to scale and launch with ease. She blends her expertise in education and marketing in the online space to create more conversions, more clients, and more confident. When she's not working, she loves reading, snuggling her cat, and crafting. Stacy is really cool because I have actually gotten the experience to coach her the last eight months in Consistent Sales System, and she is someone who has so much knowledge around sales, conversion, copywriting, human behavior, and all of the things. So if you are launching soon or you are just someone who wants to really spruce up your copy, this is going to be such a powerful episode episode for you. Make sure you check out the show notes below. And if you haven't, go ahead and follow Stacey on Instagram. Everything is linked in the show notes below. Welcome back to another episode of Salesy. Stacey, I'm so excited for you to share all of the things today. I know I have gotten to experience you, but just to kick kick us off, how did you get started in the online space? So um, I was a teacher for a long time and um, I needed a change. So I actually quit my job and did not have a plan going forward. And I was scrolling Instagram one day and found an ad that was like, copywriting is a great career for former teachers. And I was like, okay, interesting. I like writing. And I took the class and I was like, I'm into this. I realized I could help more people like Um, which was something important to me. And so I just kept learning and investing. And here I am, like a year and a half later from quitting my job. That's so interesting that you were just like, I want to quit my job and figure it out in the process. I know so many teachers who have left teaching and have started an online business. What did you teach before? So I actually taught first and second grade. So I was with the littles and um but I also have my leadership degree. So I did a lot of work with adult learning. Um, But it's interesting because I feel like the online space is not that different from my classroom. I'm like, it's a lot of like listening to what people are saying and then creating content around like the needs of what people, what questions people have. Right. And that's exactly what I was doing in a classroom is figuring out what people need help with and then creating something so that they can have a win. I didn't know you were a first and second grade teacher, but knowing what I know about you, it now all makes sense. Like it all, like the way you are, it makes so much sense. So obviously you got into copywriting and that's what I want to talk about today. When it comes to copywriting, how do you explain it to people? Because I think people get really confused in the difference between content and copy and all these other jargony words that people are starting to throw out when it comes to just creating copy. Yeah. And I think people, the other jargony word that I feel like gets mixed in there is messaging too, right? So it's like, what's the difference between copy and messaging and content? Um, And messaging is like, I like to think about messaging as like all the information that you need in order to write copy. And then copy is what you do to get people to buy your offer. Um, Content is more like educational value, but I, you can't really have copy without content and content without copy. Like they work together. Everything is intertwined in a big, a big jumble and they all work together to help make you money in your business. I would completely agree. And I feel like there's a hyper fixation on messaging, not realizing that messaging truly is just a foundation when it comes to content and copy. And that a lot of people think that they just need to fix their messaging and not realize that 
maybe sometimes they're writing content. So a sales page, writing it through the form of what they would write an Instagram post versus writing traditional copy because sales pages, I feel like are the hottest controversy and they always are when it comes to the opinion of do I need a sales page versus do I not? And sometimes I feel like the people who say that you don't need a sales page are the people who are using copywriting skills inside their content. Something that we have talked about kind of pre-roll that I would love to just kind of dive in is email marketing and how to really effectively use content and copywriting in email marketing. And something that you mentioned that I would love for you to just start with is how can I build an effective freebie that is strategic, that is high converting, and that makes sense with whatever I'm offering? Yes. So before, what I would recommend is before you jump into the freebie is to like actually zoom out a little bit and think about what is the goal for your freebie and what do you want to happen after somebody downloads your freebie? So say you're, you have a freebie, where do you want people to go from there? Are you trying to get them to buy your low ticket offer? Because if you are trying to get them to buy your low ticket offer, your freebie should be directly related to that offer. And then your emails in between your freebie, your welcome sequence that leads people to that offer needs to have some strategy inside of it so that you are preparing people for that offer. So there's a lot of intentionality behind how you build things. Just like you were saying, a sales page, it's there's a bunch of like psychology pieces that you need to include in order to make a sale. Um, so if you're doing freebie to low ticket, you need to think about, okay, like what are what are people struggling with? And how can I create a freebie that supports them? And then how can I even give them more value so that eventually they see my low ticket offer and they say, okay, I've really enjoyed this process so far. I've learned so much from this person. I'm ready to dive in with the, with the low ticket. You could also do it for a higher ticket offer. Um, you would just need more emails and like a longer process. Yeah, I definitely agree. For people who are not familiar with email marketing, because I feel like you and I live in a world where we are very heavy, very heavy email marketers, what is a welcome sequence? Ooh, good question. So a welcome sequence, I like to picture it as welcoming somebody into your house. So when somebody comes over and you greet them at the door, like, what would you do? Would you say like, hey, come in? Like, what kind of beverage would you offer them? What is the vibe that you want them to feel? And that is what your welcome sequence does for your email community. So it's about saying, hey, how are you? I'm so happy you're here. Here's what the vibe is in this community. Like here are the things to expect. Um, and then let them know about you and your business, right? So it's really about welcoming people into your community and starting off your relationship strong. I love the way that you worded that. I might actually steal that because it's, it's so powerful. It is welcoming it in. And one of the questions I always get is how do I build myself as credible, but also trustworthy in an email? That is your welcome sequence. You know, a lot of people rush to try to fill that first email with so much information, who they are, what they have to offer, why you should buy for them, their brand story and everything. And it's like, the same way you would go through the process of, say, you go to someone's house and you get to know them and you ask them questions more, that's what you can utilize in a welcome sequence. And 
I think everybody knows this by now, but I am not a freebie hater. I think freebies and welcome sequences are really powerful when you're using a tool like email marketing, because what a lot of people forget is that we keep our emails so close to our chest. This is like, I don't give my email to anybody. I have like a spam email and then I have like my legit email. And if somebody's handing that over to you, utilizing a freebie and a welcome sequence in your marketing and sales process is actually going to be so powerful of building trust, sharing your brand story, talking about the problems that they're having and why someone should pick you and what you offer in the services. You did mention when talking about a low ticket versus a high ticket sequence, what would you say is the biggest difference if someone was selling maybe like a $97 membership and wanting to use a freebie for that? Or if somebody was maybe launching their first round of services or one-on-one offer and using a sequence to sell that? So you have to think about where your audience is um, in the process. So if you are selling something that's higher value, it might take a little bit more perspective shifting for somebody because it is like a bigger financial commitment. So you might spend a few more emails thinking about what do people have to believe to get into that offer? So do people have to believe that sales is a skill, right? So if I think that I'm either good or bad at sales, then I'm probably not going to invest with you, Megan, because I don't feel like learning sales, right? So it would be your job in your emails to say, it is. it actually is a skill and you can get better. And so those are the types of perspective shifts that you want to make in your emails um, in order to get people ready to buy your offer. Um, and that also helps you pinpoint the right people, right? Because you don't want somebody coming in that feels like they can't learn and they can't improve, right? And so doing those perspective shifts is also a good opportunity to find the people with the characteristics that you work well with. Yeah. And perspective shifting isn't just exclusive to email. I think this is something when you adopt it in your marketing and your sales, you can speak to it because a lot of what we do in business, and this is why I like email the most is because you get an opportunity to be long form in a written capacity, which for a lot of people can be really easy to consume. I love podcasting as well, but not everybody wants to listen to a podcast. Not everybody wants to dive into that. And when you think about perspective shifting, it's shifting from maybe the place that they're currently at into a place where it is possible, you know, going through a sales process, there is a lot of kind of neglect lately where it goes problem solution me, right? Here's your problem. Here's your solution. Here's how I help you. There is another step inside of the solution that is the perspective shift of saying, I have this problem. Here is the solution that I'm desiring. Here is the person that I can show up and be. And it's kind of the difference between, you know, going to Starbucks and getting your pumpkin cold brew like everybody else. I'm not a pumpkin spice girly, though. You will not catch me with that. And, you know, saying I'm somebody who supports corporate coffee versus local coffee or I'm someone who does both. With that piece, though, I think a lot of people are neglecting this, and this is why email is so powerful, is because you can make a couple of emails, put that in a sequence, and guess what? You don't have to to go on stories and talk about it every single day. The emails are going out for you. Something I've seen a lot of that I would love for you to talk about is how people feel like email is replacing Instagram. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, no. (laughs) Um, They, like like the messaging, copy, and content, they work together. Um, So if you are thinking about a funnel and getting people into your email list, 
and your freebie, right? You would start on Instagram, gather people. Your Instagram is your visibility. So it's how you get new eyes on you, how you meet new people, and it's your chance to be social, right? And then you build that initial relationship with people. You offer them the free value, your freebie, um, or your low ticket if you're anti-freebie. <laughs> Uh, and then you welcome them into your email community. So I think the difference is you can use your email community really strategically because like you said, like you don't just hand over your email to anybody, right? And so you want to create a space with your email community of there are perks to being here and because you gave me your email and because of that, I'm going to give you perks. So it could be, you know, just giving a lot of value that you don't give on Instagram. It could be giving pre-launch, right? Special deals that they don't get on Instagram. There should be some sort of um, initiative for being in your email community because that's where those are your hottest leads, right? So you want to treat them with the most love out of everybody, <laughs> And I think email is something that I, when I brought it into my business in 2019, first of all, it was Black Friday. I was like, let's go. We're going to launch something with email. And there wasn't this commentary around email versus Instagram, because personally, I think it's super uneducated to like compare a short form marketing platform to a long form marketing platform without using context around it. I feel like it's very uneducated one as a marketer and two as a business owner because they serve two different purposes. But email was something, when I brought email into my business, it acted as a place where I could start talking about things that I wasn't ready to talk about on Instagram. Because the nice part about email that a lot of people don't realize, and this can also be kind of something to think about if you're playing with the idea of email, you don't have to know who opens your emails. You don't have to look at it unless you want to. There is no, when you look at an email, you see percentages, you see numbers, you can click in and look at details depending on what you use. We love Flowdesk. We'll link it down below. But you don't have to look at that. And that sense of inclusivity and almost intimacy of a relationship that you're forming, the email feels like it's crafted for them. And if you use name tags, my recommendation is always to use a minimum of three name tags in an email. Make sure their name is in the email software. But it's a place that a lot of people forget that you can truly start opening up. You know, when I think about email, I think about talking about losing my brother and really coming and really talking about grief in a large capacity in email because it felt safe. I didn't have to see who was opening the email. I didn't have to, I didn't have to see, I didn't have to be like, is this person judging me or not? And even some of the bigger things that I've navigated in the last couple of years, you can reward your people by talking about things exclusively. Now, if this sounds kind of scary to be vulnerable and just bear all. You don't have to do that with email, but it is a really good opportunity where social media, sometimes I feel like people are holding back because they think that I'm going to get judged and they look at who's looking at the stories and why did this post do well versus not and kind of all this like mindset drama around it. So I agree with you where they do different things. And, you know, email is something, Instagram's only been around since what, like 2010, 2012. Email has been around since the 90s, so there's also different spokes for it. And there's so much data around how much more effective email is versus Instagram um, for making sales. Uh, so it's 
something like, I think the stat is like, you know, industry standard for your email is about 15 to 20% open rate. So that means out of your email list, up to 20%, right? Average are going to see your emails, but Instagram, it could be 2%. So with email, you're getting way more visibility. And it's also like, I feel like because those are the people who have signed up to talk to you, it's a really great way to test out different things and to show that other side of you because you know, I've shared stories on my email that I'm too scared to share on Instagram, but I've gotten such a good response that then it gives me the courage to be like, okay, maybe I will share a little bit more about this on Instagram um, because the people, it's really helping people and people are resonating with it. I like that you mentioned the courage because sometimes it is really scary to be like, let me bear all to the internet and, you know, anybody can find this page and see it and have an opinion on it where email, it's like you have to opt in. When it comes to email and something that you mentioned and something that you specialize in is launching an email. Give us a quick, like 30 second, what we need to know rundown. And then we're going to get like really deep with this about like, how can I utilize email in my next launch to obviously make more money because we're all about making money here, but maybe also to build some brand awareness and some thought leadership, because I know that is a really big struggle for entrepreneurs who are starting out. Um, I would say really think about the customer journey and where they're coming in. Um, there's a whole process that you want to go through. We can walk through it. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh man, I'm going to open up my launch checklist, Megan. We're... <laughs> For those of you who don't know, launching an email is like Stacy's specialty. And that's something that we both bonded over as I'm coaching her because I've been inside of some pretty email heavy launches. And I think a lot of people miss out on this opportunity when it comes to utilizing email in addition with Instagram, not to replace Instagram or in addition to TikTok or Pinterest or whatever you're using, even LinkedIn. They're really big on email and LinkedIn. Actually, I've experienced this while I've been like perusing around there the last couple of weeks. And what I really love about launching through email is that it takes the pressure off. So it's like, okay, even if you don't have all of your social media posts for this week, your emails are already done and you're still selling. So yes, I can show up on social media and like, you know, I'll show up on stories, but it doesn't feel like I have to because I'm already selling. Yeah. And it's getting right into their inbox. You're getting right there. You don't have to. Engagement doesn't change on email unless your subject lines are shit, which you can change it and then boost it. You know, there is no algorithm of email. It's truly like you send it to their box and maybe they have a sorting mechanism. Maybe they don't, but it's like it goes to the box. They decide whether or not to open it. And sometimes people like they won't open your emails. And then if you're looking through like backend data, they'll like search your name in their Gmail or whatever. And then you see them open a bunch of emails. And that's where like that binge style Instagram that all of us crave could also happen in email. But give me the rundown. What do I need to know about launching on email? Okay, so before you start selling your offer, you're going to start with pre-launch emails. So pre-launch is all about validating people's emotions. So what are they going through? Um, how can you make them feel like, okay, this is normal and give them value? So what small wins can you give them? Um, what perspective shifts can you give them? So you can talk about things like why X doesn't work. Um, three reasons why you're still experiencing whatever problem they're experiencing. 
and you can do pre-launch emails for a few weeks. And that really like builds trust with you. It builds your authority as somebody who knows what they're talking about. Um, and it helps them feel like, okay, like I'm learning a lot. I'm getting a lot out of this. So then you move into your actual launch email. Before so, you before yes. you dive in, I want to note something about pre-launch. So I had a client who went through a $260,000 launch in January of this year. And when we went and reflected back on the launch, because this had been, so she is someone who she was at seven figures. She moved to an evergreen enrollment via email, which evergreen enrollments via email are actually really powerful when done properly, but this methodology didn't make sense with consumer and timeline and everything else. But something that she noted was the power of relaunch. Her pre-launch content, if you do pre-launch well and you do it in a way that gets people warmed up and ready and trusting you, either A, they buy in pre-launch, which always have a pre-launch offer. We love pre-launch. B, when you open your cart, it is so powerful because people are like running to the car. They are ready and they are good to go. And for so many of you who are struggling to sign clients and who are launching, the biggest skip that I see is pre-launch and that anticipation. And on the other side of it too, that you compare with your social content, if you want to do a really powerful email campaign and social content, tease the shit out of your offer. Tease this shit out of it. Drop the thing. Talk about this. Scroll this. I remember when I did the first scale to 5k group program launch, I teased it for 45 days and people were like, what is this? And how can I get in ASAP? So don't skip your pre-launch and think that all the meat is in the launch. It's actually your pre-launch. So now what do we do now going into launch? It's also a great time to build your email list if that's one of your goals. Get people on the list, right? So that they can start getting that value. Then you can move into your launch. Um, so there's some important components of your launch that you definitely want to include. You want to include your brand story, why you built that offer, um, social proof. And it could be like in the form of a story about a client. It could be testimonials whatever you have that is related to this launch. Um, those perspective shifts that we talked about, those are important. And then really the transformation. I know that like people talk about the transformation all the time, but it's really like going deep into the transformation, deeper than you think you need to go. Um, so really going into like what thoughts are going through people's heads, what emotions are they feeling? What are the actual actions that they're taking? And thinking about how are those going to change? Um, and I think where people sometimes get stuck in transformation is that they only talk about the transformation with about their offer, but thinking about that next step of how is this offer actually going to make changes beyond business um, is really what's going to grab people's attention. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing that you mentioned. I remember listening to a podcast with my favorite man, Ryan Holiday, we all know I'm a Ryan Holiday stan. And he talked about how personal development is so easy because personal development, when we improve ourselves, it carries over into all aspects of our life. And when it comes to professional development, which business is professional development, I think a lot of times in the online space, we get, we get a little mixed up because we are the founder, we are the CEO, and we are this person and they get so, they get so enmeshed, right? They are entangled. Personal development will bleed over, but professional development a lot of times stays in that area with those accolades. And people are intrinsically motivated. They are not doing things just for the good of the world. 
they are doing things because they have a selfish mindset and selfish mindset gets us to survival. And so talking about beyond just what you're transforming, really carry it over into their lives. And it doesn't always have to be one of my biggest pet peeves is that it's more money. It's not always more money. You know, if it's not a sales activity, it's not financial literacy. It's not always that, but the ROI could be time saved, more time given back. It could be money saved without them making more money. So money saved, not only spending on this expense or trying all these different things. It's also, you know, when we go back to intrinsic motivation, what do they want and what are they motivated by? And a lot of intrinsic motivation is why we do things. And sometimes why we feel like we have that intuitive pull, it's actually an intrinsic motivator. And that's where I think a lot of people, you know, we get really surface level and this isn't even a reminder of myself. We get super surface level, right? And we talk about, this is all the things that's going to change in your business. But then it's like, how many things have changed in your life because you've taken these steps or you've taken these actions? Like, I'm not the same person I was four years ago. Stacey, you're not even the same person you were eight months ago. Like, I've seen you change so much. And that's where email really benefits this opportunity to go so much deeper than just like a 30 second, 60 second post of like, here's my offer, how to do it type situation. And I think those are some of the emails that do the best is like when you open up to people and you're reflecting on your journey and you're sharing, these are the lessons that I've learned. Um, Because some of my emails are not about copywriting at all. Some of my emails are like, what happened last weekend and how I'm like thinking about XYZ differently, right? Like sometimes they're random. (laughs) Sometimes they're, you know, most of the time they're copy related, especially if I'm selling something. Um, But it's also a chance to have fun and get to know people. And that goes for your launch, y'all. That goes for your launch. You don't have to be hard selling. There are opportunities to really be able to explore. I can think about some of like some of my best performing emails. One was the time that I like quoted Ricky Bobby in an email. And it was like, if you're not first, you're last. And then I talked about how his dad said that was the stupidest thing he's ever said in like competing in the online space. But where I think most people forget about the sales and marketing piece of launching is that it's supposed to be fun. You know, the Apple keynote is coming up, right? They do it at the end of September every year. They do it because Q4 is huge and holidays are coming up. When they're at that keynote, you know, it is serious, but they're still having fun unveiling these new features and these new offers. And that's where it's like, be creative. Think outside of this box that we've put ourselves in with launching and think about, you know, what emails can you talk about? What things can you bring in? What are ways that you can, you know, sell in a way that feels fun and exciting because you're going to stay in the boat longer if it's fun and exciting versus just being like, here's my offer. Here's how it transforms your life. And then here's some objection handling. Now I know objection handling is also a very hot button topic. How could somebody do some objection handling and email that could actually be real powerful for conversion? I would um, recommend doing it in your FAQ. Um, So whatever objections that are most commonly had, time, how much time is this going to take, right? And use your FAQ as a way to spotlight something in your offer. So yes, it's going to take, you know, X amount of time, but it's actually going to save you time in the long run because these are the features of my offer that do that, right? Um, Yeah, that's like the most common one that I feel like applies to everyone. But thinking about just how to 
FAQs, how to really spotlight things in your offer, especially on your sales page. If there's something about your offer that you haven't talked about yet, go in there into your FAQ, think about the objections and then flip them. <laughs> yeah. My favorite is when I sell a group program and people are like, I'm not a group program girly. And I'm like, mm, I don't think any of us are to start out, to be honest. None of us are like in a perfect world. We would all have one-on-one -on -one mentors and we would only work with one-on-one -on -one mentors and we would never get vulnerable or uncomfortable with other people. And that's where your sales page can be really powerful because in your emails, you link back to the sales page. They're taking a scroll. We could do a whole episode on powerful sales pages because I feel like the way people teach sales pages and how to write sales pages is honestly the downfall of the industry. There is a very strategic way that you and I both do that can make it so powerful. So we go through the whole launch with email. What are we doing now? Um, creating a beautiful onboarding experience via your emails. <laughs> um, so right after people buy, that is, that's when you panic, right? You buy something that you invest a lot of money in and then you go, oh my gosh, was that the right decision? I'm freaking out. I know I've been there several times, <laughs> but then you get that email that says, welcome, you're in. And it's all about a celebration and how, you know, you should be so proud of yourself because you invested in yourself. And then you can create a series of emails that really lead people to what comes next and build that excitement for your offer. Something that I learned last year when I went down that onboarding, just a deep dive was 50% of churn is related to the experience in onboarding and your client decides to re-sign with you based on how you're onboarded. That is a lot of pressure to put on yourself that you can relieve with email. And even thinking about beyond just onboarding client experiences, how can we utilize email if a client has kind of tapped out to tap back into a program? Where I think a lot of people go wrong, like we've talked about though, is trying to shove everything into an email. And remember, you can use drip campaigns, get them to slowly get adopted. Hey, here's what you have. Go ahead, introduce yourself, get started, check out the course portal. You know, I got a lot of ideas turning as well because we're always trying to improve onboarding here. When it comes to post-launch, you have gone through all the thing. Maybe the people told you next round, they're not ready. What are some of the ways you could utilize email and post-launch to help for that next round or that next thing that you launch? Um, I would say don't disappear. Don't be like launch is done. I'm out. I'm not emailing you anymore. Um, continue providing them with value. So it could be similar to your pre-launch content. Just jump right back in and keep giving people those small wins um, until you're ready to launch something else, right? Or until you're ready to sell something else because um, you don't want people to feel like, oh, they're only showing up when they're trying to sell something. You want people to feel like, okay, this person's actually here for me and here to support me. Something that I also agree with with that before I like fully dive into my second thought, but yeah, people who just show up and launch their email list, people can tell. And if you only show up and launch, people can tell you're recycling your emails. <laughs> Something I get a lot of questions around is how do I write good subject lines and call to actions when it comes to email? Ooh, I should download my launch guide because I have some examples in there. Um, play around with it, be creative and think about how you can 
open a loop, right? How you can make somebody feel a little bit curious enough to open the email and see what's next. Um, and then have fun. I feel like my most, oh, and use emojis. I feel like emojis uh, really help your open rates if that's with your, if that goes with your brand. Um, but yeah, I feel like my most successful email open rates are always when I do something kind of weird. <laughs> I would but, agree with that. And like, oh, go ahead. I would agree with that. I think the other thing too, is that like, you don't want to like blatantly state what the email is about, but you don't, you don't want to blatantly state it, but you don't want to clickbait it. So you have to find this happy medium of curiosity. What I would recommend for most people is when you're writing a subject line, understand that that one should be the last thing you write. A lot of people try to write it first and then write the email, write your email first, see what the topic is of the email, then go out and pull something from the subject or from the email to put in the subject line. And maybe something that's not right at the beginning or right at the end, kind of in the middle. So an example of that would be, I'm thinking about, we did a client case study and the part of the client case study was that she had not sold or signed a client for nine months. And so our subject line that performed really well was going from not signing a single client for nine months to this. We didn't explain that she went ahead and did like a $10,000 month and she was able to do that two months in a row. We just opened the idea of, okay, it's been nine months and she hadn't signed a client and here's how she did it. When it comes to subject lines, like quick, just how, uh, don't say I say you. So instead mm -hmm. of saying, this is why I teach sales this way. This is how you can learn sales. This is why I teach copywriting. This is how you can learn copywriting. The shorter, the better, but not just like one word. That's a little like, I don't know. It gives kind of like you up vibes text. If you just like send one word, play with it. If the email doesn't perform well, open rates are directly related to subject lines. Click-throughs are directly related to read-through. And so if you're not getting a ton of opens, it's not the content, it may be the subject line. Yeah, and I would say, you know, check like once a month, go in and look at your subject lines and see what performed well and what didn't. And then you can really see like, okay, these types of things resonate with my audience. And then you have some more information on, how to how to move about it but and yeah. test one thing at a time if you're not getting opens test your subject lines don't fully rewrite your emails if you're getting a lot of emails and then you're not getting click-throughs then do it but like a lot of people I feel like scrap their whole sequence versus like email is truly I think this is why we both love it because we're little data nerds and we're like I need <laughs> to know all the data email is truly a science and that's where I think a lot of people get frustrated with it what about call to action? How can I write powerful call to actions that get people to like clicky click? I would say what's the big promise and think about the big promise and put it right next to the call to action. Um, so people are like, okay, that's what I'm getting. Like then you can click join or buy or whatever. And then I would pair it with uh, social proof. So especially on sales page, wherever you put a call to action, add a testimonial or some social proof, um, then people will be like, oh, they're the real deal. <laughs> yeah. Some really overused ones that I, they might be on my sales page. So don't judge me if they're there. Cause we haven't updated the sales page, but, uh, say less I'm in no, say more to get me in, please. 
I think that's the only one that comes to mind for me. Say less, I'm in. Yeah, like, don't make them super long. Um, you can play with like buttons versus links. Um, did you ever, I know you were testing that out, Megan, buttons versus links. Did you find any any interesting results? So we tested it for about six months. We did links versus buttons. And then we also moved email software. The test gave me the information I didn't want, but buttons perform better than links. So okay. here is how we did the full test is that we tested doing inline links, highlighted different colors, and just you would hover over it. It was a hyperlink versus putting buttons in. What I found is people are more likely to click a button. I, I wanted I wanted links to be the thing. I wanted it to be the thing because they look super clean and crisp. Buttons tend to be people are more likely to click a button. And even if you do a mid email button, we're just like we see a button and we click the human behavior, the UI, the UX design is with that. What I've also found with email, and this is something specifically to the server that we were using, is uh, the formatting and how the email looks matters more than it did two years ago. So we recently moved from Kartra to Flowdesk and Flowdesk has, I mean, they're beautiful emails for someone who's not email savvy, like design savvy. And our emails are performing significantly better. We're also starting to play with Kartra or Flowdesk actually has a lot more like templates that are really just, they look like a designer built them is the easiest way to explain it. It looks like a designer built it with a design eye. So starting to play with that, I think visual elements and emails are going to be a bigger thing going into 2024 and 2025 and really this visual presence with it. I would also say on the whole buttons versus links is if it's like a freebie email. So when you opt into our freebie right now, we just have a link. We don't have a button, but we have it. It is bold. It is red. It is right there. So that is kind of the difference. Um, we're probably going to switch it out to be a button, to be honest, but yeah, the information told me buttons are the way to go, even though I want links to be it. I wanted links to be the thing. They're not. So that's okay. It makes a lot of sense though, because you're thinking about like, where do people's eyes go when they reach an email and a button pops out at you? So it makes sense that people would click on it. And as you were talking about visuals, I was thinking about like a really fun thing to do in emails is just like adding GIFs because you're not doing that on IG posts, but gifts are like such a fun way to show your personality and show like these are the tv shows I watch and like you know build connections with people um and they're fun sometimes I spend a lot way too long looking for the perfect gift for gift for an email <laughs> you just like send it to me in slack I got a brain full of gifts this like <laughs> I have a semi-photographic memory and let me tell you if you're not putting gifts in your email, I need to put gifts back in. My highest performing post from Q3, and you, you'll you know the Instagram post is as soon as I say it, is the one with two gifts in it. You know exactly what post I'm talking about. We will link it down below. That was the highest performing post. I still get hits on it. The thing is, is there is also this level of humor that I think the online space forgets that you can explore in email and people can really get to know your humor Versus like, it's very much like Instagram. It's three seconds. Sometimes you don't catch someone's humor. Like I'm very dry and sarcastic. And so sometimes it doesn't come off that way in that medium. But when you get in my emails, I can explain it a little further, but gifts, honestly. And like, 
that's just an ode to pop culture that I think a lot of people forget that you can utilize in launching and in sales is to call out pop culture in a way that is beneficial or bring in things that, you know, the Instagram post we were talking about, the two shows that I picked from was Shameless. And uh, I want to say, God, what is the movie now? I can't even think of it, but I know it has Blake Lively in it. And they make like a fake, basically it's the guy who's like, ask me about my wiener. I think it's graduated or it's something <laughs> like that. But that, that also gives like, you know, how you use your pop culture references can also build nostalgia, which also says, Hey, we're the same person with the same nostalgia. And that creates that human emotion. That's the other powerful thing about long form content is that you can create a really good sense of connection that everybody craves. Everybody wants to be seen, heard, validated feel like you're a part of something and that that's probably my favorite part about email is that like you can build this like bestie vibe full of like jokes yeah it's like all it's all about the stories right um my husband always makes fun of me because I can remember conversations like word for word and so I'm like don't do that in emails make it more interesting um but it's like having that people are like instantly like okay I relate to that right and so I think when you think about like pain awareness and all of these things, like people are kind of like, oh, I don't want to like, I don't want to make people feel icky and like gross. But if you use it in a story as a way to validate somebody, and it could be something that happened to you in your own journey and what you've learned, but it could also be what your clients have done, right? And what they have learned and how you've helped them. Then yes, you're building pain awareness, but it's not in a way that feels gross. It's in a way that feels like you're not alone and there are other people going through this, and there's actually a solution. Yeah, yeah. I've told my best stories. Every good story that has now become a podcast was on email first. The giant pink, almost dying in the woods. I got some more I need to like bring back out, but I haven't. We've had a very eventful summer. So obviously, I could sit and talk to you for the next like 10 years because there's just so much insight Tell me about the launch messaging guide that you have in the show notes for the readers. Oh, I actually switched it up a little bit, Megan. Um, It is now a launch checklist. Um, And I will, what's interesting about this and a good lesson for if your freebie isn't working, um, I had gotten like 10 subscribers from the launch messaging guide in like a month. And I'm like, okay, I can do better than this. Um, (laughs) And so I scrapped like half the guide and I made it just a launch checklist and I ended up getting 10 subscribers in like four days. Um, And it was just, it was the same information in the freebie, um, but I just changed up the messaging a little bit and what grabbed people's attention and it became way more successful. So I have a launch checklist for you. I will send you the correct link, Megan. Um, But also just know if your freebie is not working, it is okay, just play around with it. Yeah, you just like test it. I remember my first freebie. What was my first, first freebie? I think my first freebie was the raise your rates. I used to be like, I used to be the girl if you wanted to raise your prices, you came to me, I'm still that girl, but- Then it was, no, I know what it was. It was a niche guide. And then it was how to raise your prices. And then the infamous 10K sales script. That shit, 
I could do a whole episode on just like freebies and the power of freebies. And then we did like buyer types and all of that. But yes, we will link it down in the show notes. And if you have loved Stacey, you have loved this episode, go ahead and send her a message on Instagram. We'll link that down as well. Tell her what your biggest takeaway was. And you actually have something in the works that will be fully available for them. Tell them about the membership. So the membership is Coffee Catalyst Collective, and what it is, it is for coaches, coach creator, course creators, and OSPs who are trying to get better at coffee and feel more confident in their marketing. So every month you get a resource that helps you implement something new in business, and then you get unlimited copy reviews so that you feel confident when you actually implement them. Yep. We'll link that down below. Thank you so much, Stacey. Yeah.